Amen. Amen. Glory, Glory to the to Most God. High God. Glory to the Most High God. You got about four minutes. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, we come before you first of all in the name of your Son Christ Jesus. Yes. We want to thank you for this gathering. We want to thank you for your presence, Father. We want to thank you that you've taken over this service. Holy Spirit, you will lead, you will guide, you will teach, you will impart, Father, and you will reveal, Holy Spirit. So I pray, Father, that this nation be awakened, that there be a shaking in this nation, Lord God, of the passion of Christ. Bring us back to our original purpose as to why we will reconcile, Lord God. Bring back the fire of evangelism, the forgotten word, the forgotten mission, Father. We ask that your spirit that you, Father, breathe upon us afresh, Lord God, to cause, to activate, to stimulate, to energize, to revitalize, Father, your body. Bring us to a place of purpose in which you've called us, and that is to go out into the hedges and highways and compel the lost to come in. The great passion of Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray and we say amen. Amen. So be it unto us. I was doing my study this week, and as I said for the last several messages, God seemed to be taking me through the mill. <laughs> He's exhausted me. <laughs> He's exhausted me physically, but spiritually I'm growing in my strength in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, as I, this is just a transparent moment I want to just share with you. As I was studying um, yesterday, and this is not to try to boast and see how many hours of study you can get in compared to how I study. God has just called me to, to do what I do. And uh, I was studying yesterday. I woke up about maybe 8 o'clock. I started at 8 a.m. and I somewhat thought I was finished at, at 7 p.m. nonstop. I did stop long enough to tell my husband, I said, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. That's my my eyes are hurting. I, I said, my eyes hurt and my head hurt. I, I'm exhausted. He said, well, he said, babe, you're going to have to stop trying to stop going so hard. And uh, I was like, yeah. But there's a part of me that God, how he's made me, I can't help but go hard with the word of God. My body be tired. I'm exhausted. Literally, um, figuring that I can't really go on anymore. But I finally came to a conclusion, Pastor, that's the way you made me. So I got to go hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I, um, My after I, after I just ate. Just to get you to take a break. Yes. Yeah. I ain't going to take the stop. Yeah, oh, I, I know, Pastor. I'm just, just, I'm just saying <laughs> what he actually. Your eyes is red, it's fire. They were, they were. Hugging, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was looking scary, I'm sure. I, I was looking scary. Hot and, uh, <laughs> and, uh. So we stopped long enough to, to get some natural food, yeah. and then I, I went back. Rocket came, and she said, she said, um, Auntie, she said, you still going back to study? She said, you are addicted. And I said, yeah. I said, you know what? You're right. I said, this is a good addiction. Amen. And there is, when it comes to addiction, you can't help yourself. Addiction of, their, of the vice that have you causes you 
whether you want to or not, it's calling you. It causes you to come and be consumed and overtaken by it. Your addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's a sensual act. You're addicted to something. Your addiction causes you to be consumed by it. Your thoughts are consumed by it. Everything that you do is consumed by your addiction. And we have something that we are totally addicted to. But God wants us to be addicted to him. And I realized truly that I am addicted to conversing with God, talking with God, wanting to know more about God. And my body was still tired. And it's 11 o'clock. Mind you, it's 11 p.m. now. It all started at 8 a.m. And so it was a pull. It was like I had to get it. I pulled my laptop back up and I started to research more and to hear more and to talk to him more. And the more I studied, the more I wanted to study. Get that. The more you spend time with God, the more you want to spend time with God. Not the, the go in and go out visitation with God, but Mm-mm. the more, the longer of your endurance with God, the longer the duration of the time spent with God, the longer you want to be with him. It causes you, your duration of time being with God causes you to be with him even more. And when Pastor, you were saying the other day about being in the glory of God, how we don't want to leave. Because that's where you've been. And where you've been is where you want to be also again in an extended period of time you want to be with him. But because when we are not with him and we're doing something else, I affection our passion for that something else is stronger we don't have the passion of Christ and the passion for Christ and God wants to get us back to that place of having his passion we have to have the fire of God set on a blaze on our hearts to have passion for him to have our affection towards him our hearts has to be set on a blaze mm-hmm. It's set on the blaze for something else. This is why we're now saying, I want to do things of the world. Because your heart is not set on a blaze for Christ. So we're going to talk a little bit about, and I was in my study. This is how you figure you get your flesh get all in the way. But the Holy Spirit is so good because he come in and he eradicate that thing. He tend to give me the body of the message without a topic. God does things in our life. To where it makes no sense. He does things in, in our life to where it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like I have anything. Take the foolish things to find the wise. Amen. So I, I, I have to go do something about the way things look. Because things don't look right. But when we trust God, it's not about what we see. It's what we know. Mm-hmm. And God's trying to get you to a place where you absolutely trust him. Not for you trying to turn what you think is upside down to turn it upside right. Because it's perfectly the way that it is. Because for those who are called by the Lord, all things are working out for your good. Whether it looks like it or not. As a Christian, you are to perceive and not see. Because we don't live by sight. We don't live by sight what we see. Tell me. When you look at things and it doesn't look right with your sight, how does it make you feel? 
horrible. You start to worry. You're frustrated because things don't look right with the natural eye. But the heart of man, when he's born again, you are to perceive what you don't see. And this causes you to rejoice with what you don't see because you know everything is perfect. I just don't see it. But I have an insight on what I know. So he wants to really talk to us about today his passion, his passion for you and the passion that you should have for him. And so I said, Lord, with the foundation scripture and the supporting scripture, the title that you gave me seemed like it doesn't have anything directly to do with the body of the text. This is now the, the natural teacher trying to converse with my spiritual God. And he says, he says, what I've given you is a revelation of what is to be revealed to them. And it's my passion. It's called the passion of Christ. The topic today, the passion of Christ. It's merely his affection towards humanity. It's giving his heart to those who would believe with hopes he would capture their hearts. It's God himself, his affection towards humanity, giving you his heart with hope that you, as a believer, he could capture your heart. This is, what he's, this is what he did when he went to Calvary, with hopes, when he laid down his life, that he would capture your heart. And doing so, there's a revelation in his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Just keep that in mind, and all that's going to all come out of the passion of Christ. So some of my key terms and highlights is this, is the, is the term baptized. It is an immersion and living and flowing water, purifying. It means to bury. Baptized means to bury. Born again, to live life anew. A new man after dying to self and living for the Messiah. Baptized. Mm-hmm. And not only living for the Messiah, but with the faith of the Messiah. You bury the old man to live a new life of the Messiah with the faith of the Messiah. Also, it means to go before God. Baptized means to go before God so that he can... Set us ablaze with passion, with mm. the heart of the Father. Mm. You, but you have to put action to that. You have to go before God as John did, as John the Baptist did. Mm. Purpose of Holy Spirit. Reveal Jesus Christ to teach, to instruct, to discern, to guide, and to lead into all truth. Holy Spirit. Purpose of the fire of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it refers to an aspect of God's glory which operates in the function to purify, to burn Burn out all unrighteousness, everything of the world, to ignite the uh, passion of Christ in the hearts of the believer, and to empower to reach the lost and to mobilize the church. Ultimately, to mobilize the church, because the church has been stagnant in one place. Passion is this. Passion is an obsession, an extreme pursuit or search for something, and it can refer to suffering and also a martyr to give his or her life. God. Passion. An, an obsession. Ex- an extreme pursuit. I mean, can you even leave from that part first? <laughs> an extreme <laughs> pursuit? Yes. How many of y'all are pursuing something extremely? Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing else matters. Okay. Wow. All right. I guess that's how he was able to stay on that cross. He was extremely passionate about us. That's right. Okay. It's a, not only a passion, but it's an uncontrollable passion. Uncontrollable. That even though no matter how you treat me, I still love you because I can't control this passion. He's still thinking about you, how you feel. 
It's an uncontrollable passion to save souls. It's an uncontrollable passion to know God. Good God. Uncontrollable passion to be holy. Go ahead. Arnie Peaches, where you at? <laughs> you can see certain people and certain areas of God to where you see. You can't help but to see strongly a certain passion. A passion to be holy. A passion to be holy. Because you have a passion, or shouldn't be, because you're not a sinner now, to be unholy. Mm. Before you were born again, you had a passion to, to do things that weren't holy. A passion to raise a radical young generation for Christ mm. and to manifest his supernatural power to that generation. Mm. A passion to raise up a generation. I believe my father had that passion. My earthly father had that passion to raise up a, a generation, a nation of his his siblings, that they would pass on a passion of love mm. and unity because that's what he preached throughout his life. He had a passion for that. Mm. Passion for life as well. We're passionate about something. We just need to, to redirect our passion to the heart of our Father. We should have great passion in our praise. Amen. And your worship and the teaching. You should have passion while you're casting out the demons. You should be passionate about casting out a demon. So that person is delivered. Amen. And soul set free. Amen. You should be passionate about healing people, seeing them being healed and, and free from whatever sickness and illness. You should Amen. have a passion for others to have a passion. I Amen. That's right. Well, get on fire. <laughs> <laughs> be passionate. There you go. I want you to <laughs> just know that some of the learning outcomes. I'm expecting for you to learn out of this is this. Mm. The revelation of what it means for God to be an all-consuming fire. I want you to get the revelation of that. Two, what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit and his fire. Understand the purpose for the fire of his presence. What the fire of his presence produces in us and how you can keep it burning. These are the learning outcomes. This is Knowing when we think about the passion of Christ, you kind of just see the image with him being our all beaten and bruised and uh, the thorns are on his head and he's on the cross. But you have no connection to the image. You have no reality attached to the image. You have no real reality attached to his passion for you. You just have seen a, a movie, an image. But what you haven't received was the reality of what he actually did. And when he did it, what he wanted to accomplish in that mission and his passion. There was a purpose and a mission in the passion of Christ. That included you. And that deals with his fire being upon your life and Holy Spirit. So let's go to our, our foundation scripture here. Matthew 3 verse 11. That's a complete Jewish Bible. Matthew 3, verse 11, and it reads, It's true that I am immersing you in water so that you might turn from sin to God. But the one coming after me is more powerful than I. Mm -hmm. I'm not worthy even to carry his sandals. And he will immerse you in the Ruach HaKodesh and in fire. We have heard this scripture. And Matthew is giving an account of what John the Baptist did. Because John is saying, I truly immerse you into water. I baptize you unto repentance. 
water baptism. He said, so that you might turn from sin to God. The water. I baptize you for the very purpose that you would repent. This is symbolic of the revelation of what Christ had already done on Calvary. I am the forerunner of what is to come. I'm not even worthy, he says, to bow down and unlace the sandal of my God to carry them. And this was something that the, the Hebrew people actually did as a slave. He said, I'm not worthy to even be his slave. I'm not worthy to bow down as a slave. And that was the position of a slave to carry the saddle of their master. He said, I'm not even worthy to do that. But I come because I know the purpose as to why he created me. My purpose and call was to baptize you and to the knowledge of repenting from your ways and to turn to God. That was my call. I'm fully aware as to why I was called. This is what John's saying. I was merely called. Don't look upon me as any type of Christ. I've come on a mission to baptize you unto repentance by water. Symbolic of what God is going to do. I'm prophesying your redemption. He said, I'm not worthy even to carry his sandal. And he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. And in fire, the part Holy Spirit, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, Pastor, Mm -hmm. and in fire. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Because this is what has not been happening to the body of Christ. You have been water immersed into water fully. By repentance, saying that I'm going to turn, you're saying, declaring to the world, I'm going to turn away from my ways, my wicked ways, and I'm going to turn to God. But he says, then you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then baptized by fire. Mm. My question was this, is that Jesus, you were water baptized, but you were baptized in fire. Why weren't you baptized in fire? He wasn't baptized in fire because there was nothing in him feet that needed to be purified. He was the baptizer. And Jesus, when he got baptized, the statement of him being baptized was this. I have come to baptize of the baptism. We'll talk more about that. I've come to be baptized of the baptism. I've come to fulfill the baptism. So he did. It was no need for him to be baptized, but this is a four show of what is to happen for you. In my demonstration of being baptized, because there was no need for me to be baptized, I'm the word. And we see that what happened was that the dove fell upon his head as a symbol of Holy Spirit. Now power. So it took him 30 years before he went out with the word to minister. And this is just an example for us. So many of us feel that we're qualified to go out. It was known in the Jewish faith is that this was the year, 30 years. Moses, 40. Mm -hmm. You're at midpoint your life, and then it's your ministry. Mm -mm -mm. But we want everything quick. We want everything in our life to quickly unfold. So let's go further in the scripture here, he says. And he will immerse you into the Holy Spirit and in fire. Only Luke. And Matthew in the gospel mentioned this fire in association with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
There's nowhere else in scripture, only those two places. Jeremiah kind of talks about it. So there's different, when it comes to in fire, there's different interpretation and understanding. So I'm going to just share with you a couple of scriptures here. So Jeremiah 23, 9 refers to the fire as judgment, consuming fire to the wicked. Malachi 3, 2 through 3, fire for purification. Acts 2, 3, speaking in tongues, cloven tongues of fire. So John says, Indeed, I baptize you with water into repentance. With the Holy Spirit, the master is coming to disperse the inward reality, distinguishing the servant of Christ throughout. So he, he's coming for the purpose to distinguish himself throughout the whole of man with fire. The fiery character of the spirit operates unto the soul, searching, consuming, refining Stimulating, redirecting the sensual affection to move in a more noble service. Because you have affections, but they're not noble in their service. You have affection, you have sensual affection, but they're not noble in their service. So he come to redirect that to him. Water and fire are employed here to set forth the same purification. The operation of the Holy Spirit upon the soul. It's coming to do a work in you. A work that will cause you to live a life that's passionate for Christ. Our supporting scripture, we're going to go there, Luke 12, 49. Reads, I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. Keep in mind, he come to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm. So with this baptism, then mm. there's supposed to be a change if it's a true baptism. Mm-hmm. The problem, past is that they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't say that's a problem. That I would say that is part of the whole. Is that they've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. This is why you still see people who are, when it comes to the Word of God, they're still passive and they're also indifferent. Meaning that you're not talking about the Word of God. You're not on fire for the Word of God. You, you're not overtaken by the Word of God. People who've been baptized by fire, you can't shut up about the Word of God. I got to ask my husband on Friday night, let BK go home. It's midnight. But it, because he can't help it because he's on fire, he's been baptized with fire from God. When you're baptized by fire from God versus just being baptized by his spirit, go ahead. you're not consumed with the entirety of God. You don't have burning passion for God. You don't have burning desires for God. You don't have central affections for God. So you, you get worn out real quick when it comes to the things of God. Because you've been baptized by Holy Spirit. And he causes you to want to be with him. But he can't make you be with him. But when you've been baptized by fire, mom, you can't shut up. You can't. When I've been baptized by fire, I know I may be getting on your nerves, but I, I can't stop because the words keep coming you out. You done said I, something I, I, here. I, I'm not exhausted. I'm not tired. I know you may be tired, but the word of God is burning mm. inside of me. There you I, go. Pastor, I know, but I, you know, I just, you know, I know you, Pastor. I know. See, and we can easily stay home because you have not been baptized in fire by the Holy Spirit. This is why we go to sleep, Pastor, there you go. when you hear the word, because you know what? You haven't been baptized in the fire of God. Because you ain't going to go to sleep while you're on fire. No, I'm on fire. You're going to change your speech? Your speech is going to change? Yes, it is. I'm telling you right now, just literally on fire, you're going to change. 
You ain't going to sit still. No, you can't. It's overwhelming. And this is why, Sydney, I realized. <laughs> see, when you came in today and you, you were praising, you said, I, I was listening to I was listening to the woman of God. He said, and then I heard you say about praising the Lord and coming in praising God. But when you are praising, see, we, we take this out likely. Yeah, we do. When people come in and they praise God. Oh, hallelujah. No, 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 no. This is not a game. I, I'm not playing. I heard her spirit. Come on. I heard her spirit. And she needs something from God. And I heard her spirit. And I told my other sister, wait a minute. I hear some cry from one of God's people. And I know God's going to answer him. Because he hears the praises and the cry of his people. Mm. I hear and fire. And see, when you've been baptized with fire and you get close to anybody else, that fire is going to touch the other person. And you will cause them to be on fire. You either, either they're going to run or they're going to join the fire. Gonna, that's right. That's right. You're either going to stay there and be consumed. That's right. You're either going to stay and be consumed. That's right. Or you're going to hit, you're going to tuck and roll on the floor and put the flame out. That's what you're going to do. Tuck and roll. You ain't going to stay there. Hallelujah. <laughs> like that one match in that matchbox. All the rest of them going to get on fire. See, Pastor, what you said, if you light that match in that matchbox, because if I'm close enough to you, I can't help but burn. There you go. I can't help but be on fire with you. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, since you're talking about that, Darius youngest daughter, I've been watching her in the spirit. Uh-huh. I've been watching ever since she got baptized in the spirit over yes, here. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And she's different than the rest of the kids. So what that was, the rest of the kids mm -hmm. should have got on fire from then on. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. This is how it worked. Oh, my Lord. He is just You're still good. on fire, baby. Yes, she is. You're still on fire. That's I'm watching right. you in the spirit. <laughs> I'm watching you in the spirit. And I'm watching her in the spirit, and I see where she's going. Yeah. But see, it's some things that are going to go on with her that have not yet been revealed. Mm. But she's soaking, she's soaking it in right now. Keep soaking it in. Amen. 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 She's an example to all of us. You keep hugging me like you do. Mm. You go ahead. You watch it. What happens? <laughs> Hanging with your daddy and all that, it's going to happen. Amen. Go ahead ahead. Go right ahead. Y'all don't understand. This thing is real. It is, Pastor. Anyway, this, it's real fire. This is what's going on with the body of Christ is that they have not been baptized in fire. This is why they are cleaving to the world. This is why they have desires for the things of the world because that's what they have a burning heart for. Mm. The heart is not burning for Christ. Right. We have to be mm. baptized in fire. Luke 12, 49 says, I have come to set fire to the earth and how I wish it was already kindled. I've come to set fire to the earth. And I'm going to break this all down to you. <laughs> Here God wants to share his innermost part of his heart in regards to the purpose of his mission for coming. This is what he's doing. He says, I have come. Get this. We're going to break down this, this small scripture here. He says, I have come. He was before he came. And he came of his own voluntary act. He volunteered to come. I have come. Mm -mm. I was before I came, and he came on his own voluntary act. Fulfilling the purpose of his coming, having a baptism to be baptized with, which was a revelation of that, is simply this. In his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Having a baptism to be baptized with. I need to be baptized in the purpose of my coming to you, and my death, in death, there's a baptism. 
and death, there's a baptism. He said, in my resurrection, by fire of God, I was lifted up. Set fire on the earth, cleansing and purifying power that causes us to burn with love. You don't burn with love for God. It causes you to expire with desire, cleave to him with a fervor of conviction and be in some measure like those mighty spirits that stand before the throne. A fire that shall destroy all the sluggishness in us. That kind of fire. That fire that will change it into a swift energy of glad obedience. That kind of fire. Not a resentful obedience, but a gladful and rejoiceful obedience. That kind of fire. He says, so that this may kindle in our spirits by the Holy Spirit whom Christ gives. He's coming and has come to set that fire upon this earth. That was in his mission, past and purpose, and his coming. To set our hearts ablaze for him. Because his heart is already set ablaze for you. Amen. He said, and see, the, the second fold of this is this. How I wish it was already kindled. When you were talking about having a broken heart. Yeah. Because he knows when he comes mm-hmm. what he's going to find. Yeah. Yes. And his heart is already broken before his second coming. It's that Jesus. when I come, how, how I wish your, your heart was already kindled oh. with my fire. How I desire so deeply when I come mm. that you will be ready for me. I've given you my spirit. I even baptized you, made it available to be baptized by fire so that you would desire me and know that I am God. And he says, but I'm coming and I'm coming back for who's mine. And when I come back and who's not mine, my fire is going to separate what's mine and what's not mine. Mm. But for those who are already set ablaze in their hearts on fire by the Holy Spirit, there'll be no need for you to be purified. And that fire will not consume you. But for those Mm -hmm. whose heart has not been set ablaze on fire by the Holy Spirit will be destroyed. I know how I wish that you were already kindled. The fire was already kindled in your heart. Because it was already lit. It doesn't need to be lit again. It can't be. Right. So he is a consuming fire. Yes. How I wish it was already kindled. The fire is referred to at times as something warm. It comforts the, the heart. So it, it's seen as love for believers. It purifies. It consumes, though. This consume is destroy. Mm-hmm. He says, how I wish that this fire was already burning in you. Mm-hmm. I have to come. And in my coming. Many will be destroyed by my fire, the fire that wasn't initiated in the very beginning to destroy you, but to capture your heart. How I wish that you were already burning. Malachi 3, 1, 6, as a purifier. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? 
for he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Then once more the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem, as he did in the past. At that time, I will put you on trial. I am eager to witness against all sorcerers and adulterers and liars. I will speak against those who cheat employees of their wages, who oppress widows and orphans, or who deprive the foreigners living among you of justice. For these people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. God is yeah. saying here, look, I'm sending my messenger. I'm sending, at this time, it was John the Baptist. John the Baptist. At that time. At that time. He said to prepare the way before me so that you would know that you are to return back to me. Turn away, repent from your wicked ways, from sin, and come to me. He's trying to lead you back to him. He said, when the word comes, he's saying, this this is happening now in verse 2. He said, but who will be able to endure it when he comes? Mm -hmm. What's it? Who will be able to endure the word? You're hearing the word now. He wants to know when he comes, for those who are believers, you're not going to be tried. The true believers are not going to be tried. You don't need to be purified and tried. You're not going to be put on trial because you are a believer. You've already been tried and purified by the word. He's saying, who now, when they hear the word, will be able to stand to be purified by the word to cause them to change and turn to him? Are you, would you, who are not saved, be able to stand, endure, receive the word of God? So when I come, you don't have to be put on trial. So when you are really saved, Yes. This is what this is what you're saying mm-hmm. because those ones who are really saved, you're supposed to be on fire. That's right. So you're supposed to be on fire when you're really saved. Mm-hmm. But this is what's happening. We have our own responsibility, Pastor, to mm-hmm. work out our own salvation. There you go. You do. And people can continue, Pastor. Matter of fact, with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. And and it's not a game, Pastor. It's not a game. To really be left behind mm-hmm. is not going to be a good experience. No, it's not. Not when you know the truth. It's not going to be good. But you might not believe that you're not affected. You, just think about that. I think the salvation mm-hmm. thing, this thing of salvation is so real and so true. And what's saddened is that people just don't believe it while they sit in the pew. That's true. So when really we talk true. about God returning, first of all, we, we're not preparing for that. Mm-mm. Because what we keep preparing for is the now. I just have re- decided to resolve the fact that my life truly is not my own. I uh, had a conversation with, this is a sidebar, <laughs> a conversation with an employee that uh, I believe was almost 70 years old. And he came and he asked, uh, so how how are you doing? He said, um, oh, when was the last time you preached? This is how... This is the mentality of traditional Christians. Not when was the last time you witnessed to someone and they gave their life to Christ? When was the last time you preached? 
And for us, preaching is simply preaching void of Holy Spirit. When was the last time did you stand behind a podium and, and, and just uh, entertain is what he asked. I said, uh, when was the last time that I taught the word of God? I find it very difficult to talk to Christians these days without me feeling that they're going to think I'm better than them. I, I just oh, yeah, I find it almost impossible to have a conversation with the Christian. And so he said, uh, hey, when was the last time you preached? I said, uh, my husband and I, we have our own ministry. I thought that would solidify the fact that obviously just about every Sunday or whatever day of the week, I actually teach. No, I'm no, but when did you when do you preach? I said I just say it. <laughs> so, so he see, says I told him you see me, you seen the father. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so he says, um, okay, okay. He said, Well, what was the message? So I tell him the precursor of God's presence. And so he didn't know what that I said, I don't have time to even break that down. And and so he kind of just looked at me, oh, okay, okay. So what scripture you come from? So I tell him. And all this goes over his head. And um, he says, so what is the most challenging thing in your Christian life? Mm-hmm. I said, uh, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I was like, wow, what is the most challenging thing in a Christian life? In my life as a Christian. I said, well, are you speaking as, because I'm a very, you know, ain't no detailed person. I need to know in what area. I said, so as a teacher? Or overall, as a Christian, he said, "No, no, no, no." As a Christian, I said, "Well, I said I don't have a challenge as a Christian." I said, "Because I believe what my challenge was is the challenge that most Christians have is that they don't trust God, <laughs> and I just decided to trust the Lord." Go ahead. I said, "I really decided to do that." I said, "Because if I don't trust Him, it's a very uh, strained relationship." I have to trust the Lord. I've decided to do that. I said, and not knowing or understanding, my God, I trust him. Mm. I don't understand why he told me when a person smack you, you know, turn the other cheek. Or when they're cold, to give them your cloak. I, I don't understand any of that. And it's my last. You tell me to give it up and I'll get much in return. I don't. That doesn't add up mathematically. So I said, I've learned just to trust, trust my God because he is my Lord. That was a revelation that I was getting over there in that corner. I don't know if anyone heard me, but I kept saying, mm-hmm. my Lord, my Lord, he's my Lord. I was understanding. He was imparting in my spirit, our relationship, that he's my Lord, meaning that he is the ruler of my life. Amen. I was on my knees in the spirit because I am giving my life because you're my Lord. I'm serving you. He's my Lord. He's in control of my life. There were so many things being imparted in that he's my Lord. And until he becomes your Lord, you can't serve him. That was a side note, Pastor. So, so that's like, uh, I was looking at my grandbaby and like, mm. she, she totally trusts her mother. Yes. I mean, with everything. Mm-hmm. She change where she gonna live, mm-hmm. who she gonna eat, mm-hmm. go to sleep, transportation, yes. everything. She mm-hmm. totally trusts. This is why God mm-hmm. wants us to come to Him mm-hmm. in that same childlike, um, I would say, um, mentality. Right. To trust Him. She has no doubt in her mind. It's not even entered into her 
that Star won't provide for her. Or That's right. Will not provide for her. No matter what. She cold, I'm a, it's going to be warm. If it's hot, I'm going to be cool. She has no concept mm -hmm. of that she's not going to be provided for. Now, that is really... I believe, Pastor, when mm -hmm. they're born, mm -hmm. that they're born trusting. Yes. They come out trusting. Amen. Just like born again. But go ahead. I see where when you're going. When you're born again... Mm -hmm. I see where you're going. You automatically just mm -hmm. trust. trust. Oh, See the child when the child is born, they they're not taught they they don't they don't receive schooling as to how to trust, trust the parent. They are just born coming out. It's natural trusting. It's, it's their innate. It's in it's their nature. And now. the DNA was born with go. it. She ain't sitting in the crib wondering what's going on. She changing her diaper, everything. And her cry is uh, declaring that you coming around that corner with my sippy cup. That's right. That cry. That cry. Is you, you, hear I'm this. declaring you're That's coming cry. with my sippy cup, mommy. And you can tell the different type of cry, whether it's to be hungry, it's mm -hmm. changing, or I just want to be close to you. That's right. See, but we don't see that in our relationship mm -hmm. with our Heavenly Father. That's right. That when Whitney's over there crying out, mm -hmm. you don't understand that. Or when Star's over here worshiping and she's Shahad mm -hmm. and she's bowing her knee. See, we don't think that. We, we, we're looking, you know, through that glass that's, you know, we, we're just looking through it, you know, Partially, that man, they don't take all that. And the other half, you be questioning yourself, saying, why am I not down there? That's right. Why I'm not down there? What stops me from doing that? Wow, that's, what? A, that's a good question. What, and what stops them from doing that is the fire that's right. of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you are in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, symbolic of the menorah. And he is the oil, the anointing. Fuels you. So when you don't yield to Holy Spirit, you, you hold back from yourself from being burned mm. to be set ablaze because you're cutting off your fuel. So you're not burning. You're not burning anymore. Holy Spirit is the oil that causes you to continue to burn. Mm -hmm. There was something. So, so the oil <laughs> is really is the accelerant. Mm -hmm. Y'all know like a that gasoline is called it's an accelerant. Yes. It, it you put it it's like the latch to it and it really quick it's the accelerant. So the oil, the anointing is that accelerant. It causes you to have power, the Holy Spirit, because without Him you have no power. That's You're right. not gonna have a light. And you should have power after the Holy Spirit has come up. The accelerant causes an explosive Explosion. type. That's right. A power. It ignites it. Yep. It, Ignite something. It causes you to be activated, stimulated, energized. Oh, yeah. All it needs is a wick. Yay. Which is your heart. Ah, glory to God. That's all it needs. He desires your heart. Now, we're we trying to light it with strange fire. Can't have no strange fire. We have to discern when we have fire. become complacent, Pastor. We've become, as a body of Christ, complacent. Just an outwardly godly Demonstration and show yeah. and clothing and conversation, but not in demonstration. Mm -hmm. Not in this, because this was the very mission and purpose of when and why God came. Is that you would be able to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Cast out demons. Set the captives free. Mm -hmm. This is within your baptism. And the question is, why aren't we doing that? And obviously the answer is because our heart has not been set ablaze. By the fire of the Holy Spirit. This is not key. This is not significant to us anymore. 
of setting the captives free, healing the sick, casting out demons, evangelizing. That is almost an unknown word now. I don't hear evangelize. Mm -hmm. I don't hear the testimonies of the lost souls being added into the kingdom of God because we're too busy with our lives. We're too busy with our stuff. And imagine John the Baptist said, I know why I was called. I was called to baptize you unto repentance. I have no tie to this world. And they weren't about convenience. The apostles were not about convenience. They left everything that they owned. They were about fulfilling the purpose and call of the Messiah. And if we're not about that, then why do you call yourself a Christian? We must discern when we become complacent, neutralized, and indifferent with God. And where the sole purpose of Christ's passion derives, and that's saving souls. It is about killing the sick, casting out demons, and setting the captives free. And declaring the great day of the Lord. This is what it's about. But we keep finding ourselves in a place of your situation. We keep finding ourselves in our feelings. How you feel. What I don't have. What I need to have. And why I don't have this. And, and when am I going to get this? I just want to share this small little story about Moses. And this is going to kind of correspond with Aaliyah. And, and really from a child being baptized in the fire of God and how we are to be on fire for God. So, what a little story about uh, Moses. I want to just discuss that really quickly. It's very intriguing. With the burning bush experience, Moses' first 40 years, we know he was brought up in Egypt under the culture and leadership of Pharaoh. He was brought up in the culture of the world his first 40 years meaning that he was brought up in a place of selfishness. He was brought up in a place of arrogance. He was brought up in a place of pride and is about me. A self-centered culture is what he was brought up in. It's about what I want, what I need culture. That was his first 40 years. That's what he was submerged in. He was baptized in the Egyptian culture. And that's what you were initially baptized in when you came into the world. Because he was formed and born in iniquity and sin. Bondage. Bondage. So he was shaped in arrogance. And he thought that through his own strength that he was going to deliver God's people. Mm-hmm. And his own strength. The second 40 years of his life was spent in the desert. A dry place. A place where nothing seems to live. An uncomfortable place. A frustrating environment due to the conditions of the weather and also his living quarters, I would say, compared to Egypt. Mm-hmm. To your big house and home that you desire, and cars and the things of the life, the luxury of life, he was now not so much exposed by that, but by a dry place, the desert, the burning bush experience. So when Moses encountered a bush that was burning, and he realized it wasn't consumed, now why is this bush still burning? So it caused him to turn towards it and to just think about what's going on with this bush as to why it's not already consumed. But it was God's way of getting his attention. And he called him from that burning bush. He said, Moses, Moses. He said, I am. I'm here, Lord. He answered. 
And this is the thing that God is trying to speak to you in a dry place. Will you hear? He's trying to speak to you in a very uncomfortable place, a place of lack of convenience. Everything's going wrong type environment. My car, the home, the bills, you name it. You know your experience. You know your desert experience. Mm-hmm. Second 40 years was spent in there. That's a long time. Truly, most of us would have given up on Christ and said, you are not God. He's 80 at that time. Yeah, he's 80 now. He's 80. He's, he's 80. He's 80. 80. This is the second part of the 40 years. So, that, you know, eighty. two times 40 is 80. There you go. <laughs> but Moses, this time, he started to speak differently because he was now being purified in the desert, the dry place. The place where you think there's no hope and nothing's living and growing. You are asking, is this anything good can come out of this dry place? So one moment in the fire of God, he led him to deliver a people by his hand. Now he's 80 and God is saying, I will deliver my people through my hand, through you being a yielded vessel. And when God said that to him, Moses' experience with God in the desert caused him to become a faithful friend of God. You have to be put in a dry, uncomfortable, inconvenient place to become a friend of God. Because those trying and pressuring times, mm-hmm. and I always said about this, is when it comes to friends, is this. It is a situation that would define true friendship. In most cases, you'll find out you didn't have as many as you thought. Is that through his trials and tribulations and at 80, well in his age of being an elderly person ready to retire and sit down somewhere. Mm -hmm. He's just now really begun to begin what God has called for him to do at 80. He became a faithful friend and he realized nothing of his own strength could he do. This is why he said, this is the revelation of, because normally we've been taught that uh, Moses said, well, he stuttered. He, no, I can't speak. And so he said, Aaron, he, no, he saw all of his weakness and he was no longer in his arrogance. Go ahead and clap. He was no longer in his own strength. And I can do. It's about self. It's that I can do nothing without God except you be with me. This is what he said, except you be with me, I can do nothing. You're sending me to Pharaoh to ask him to let the people go. I, I, I can't speak what he meant. It's not I can't speak, speak. It's who am I that you would send me? But he wasn't saying that 40 years ago because he had decided he would set God's people free by his own strength. So I think the Bible said he was the, if I'm not mistaken, the most humble or the meekest. Yes. Ever. So that desert really humbled him. Brought him to a place of humility. Brought him to humility. And this is the thing. When you attach yourself to things, and Moses did because that was his culture. That was his upbringing. He grew up in the house of Pharaoh, y'all. Didn't see a hot day because he had people around him fanning him. Mm-hmm. I, he didn't see a hot day. Now I have to live in the heart where he is in the desert. This is how I've learned. I've learned how to really trust God, and I can do no thing without him. Amen. The times when I didn't have anything, I praise him the most. I praise him the most. When I lost my car, 
I'm going, I'm at work. My car, I've been repoed. And all these things I know happened to me because, not because God put him on me and, and he's that kind of God and trying to get Angry. and bring me to him. No, it's our own actions a lot of time that brings us to these places. But because he still loves us so much. He'll make a way out for you. There is a way already been prepared already. for you. You just got to go through it. There is a dry place in your life even now at this moment. But it's to get you, Pastor, mm -hmm. to become a faithful friend of God. Amen. You, were, you thought you were faithful because you were very comfortable and convenient with your things. You were real comfortable when you could pay your bills, weren't you? Mm -mm. You were real comfortable when you had your car and everything was going right. You were real comfortable when you had your nice home and, and everything, all your bills, everything was up to date. You were real comfortable with all your different things and watches you were buying and all new things. I could do something. I was looking good and watched it lean and all that looking good. I was real comfortable with it. I've learned that when I had literally nowhere to go and I was in my car, that God was so good. Yeah. See there. I literally, I literally had nowhere to go. I was homeless. And I said, Lord God, you're good. I wasn't saying that to make myself feel good. It was because of something I knew. That in spite of, because it's not about my convenience. Because Paul, Apostle Paul says, I've learned to be content in all my ways. I know how to base and abound. I will yet praise the Lord even more and more, with or without. It's not my state of mind. The things don't determine my happiness. You can't take it with you. You took that out my spirit. You can't take it with you. You let me know. You can't take it with you. Moses learned that there was something so much more important Thank you. than the palace of Pharaoh and all the riches and, and all the servants that he had. And all the convenience. Mm -hmm. See, when you're inconvenient, don't let nobody inconvenience you. Will you come pick me up? That's why I'm so glad that Alan picked up Dina today. Because you know what? It could be an inconvenience for you. It could cause someone else to miss their blessing today because you're inconvenient. But think when you needed a ride. We all soon forget where we were. This is why you can't be attached to money. Don't be attached to things. I love what this young, um, she's an older woman, what, she, what, she's doing, what she's doing with her retirement money and her pension. Basically, she's feeding the homeless, and she's feed at least 7000 a month. With her pension? That she with her with. pension. Okay. She says, my mother taught me how to serve, David. She taught me how to serve. And she said, and serving to me is like breathing oxygen for me to live. She's not doing anything for show, but what she's doing is what she knows what she was called to do. I was called to serve. Then she not only went as far to give her pension, but the people who have volunteered to help serve the people as well and give out the food, what they have decided and agreed with her to do to have more money in to feed more people is that we don't turn on no heat. We're all going to wear our coats when we come to pack the food to go to. Nice facility. And they will. I'm not sure the location, but obviously they need heat because they, they talked about heating the people wearing coats. Coat. It was cold. And they had volunteers? Nobody's getting paid. And they said that we will sacrifice the money that we would normally pay to, to get heat in here. It's to use that extra money to feed more people. Now you see where people's hearts are. But she has a passion. That's right. Her heart has been set ablaze to feed the homeless. That's why she has volunteers. To serve. Because they caught the flame too. Amen.
Moses became a faithful friend of God, a leader of millions, because he was in the dry place, and he was tested, he was tried, and his faith was valid. See, what happens is this with us, and I'm going to close. We have part two coming later. We go back to pastor, the time when I, I gave, and I gave, and I gave. Mm-hmm. Stay with me, y'all. And I gave. Mm-hmm. And we recall all those times that we gave. Because you know what? I did too. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people. Because when pastor got laid off, I'm looking to get a reward on my giving. There you go. Why do I have to, and why am I suffering? Because I've been giving. I said when you got laid off, wait a minute. I'm a tither. I'm not one who has tithe. That's what I do. I don't do it this month and then don't do it the next month. Then I go back. I know that's what I do. And your word says. So I brought his word back up to him. Not looking for a reward. That's right. But I'm looking for him to fulfill his word. Mm. I his am word. a tither. And I've sown seed. That's that's what I do. I am a sower. I'm not one who has sown. That's what I do. And because that's what I do, your word says, I'm just bringing it back to you, Father. Never seen the righteous begging. And I say this, a tither, a tither. Anytime someone in their life, we all go through some kind of financial hardship. Everyone. But it's the experience and your response to that actual circumstance that determines the outcome of it. Not that, how did did you continue to rejoice and yet again rejoice in the desert? Or did you murmur like the people that were brought out of Egypt? Or was you double-minded? He said, let that man receive. Thank you, receive no nothing. Because now I'm Mm double-minded. No, okay. That now defeats the whole purpose that I'm a tither. I tithe because I do believe. I can't tithe and then I start doubting. This is why I told that young man that this is why I've decided, I resolve within myself to trust the Lord. Come see what may. I will trust the Lord. Trials and tribulation may come. I shall not be moved, but I will praise the Lord yet more and more. Because it keeps your heart in the right attitude, Fee. You don't become indifferent with God. Because when you're in that circumstance, die, and you don't still praise him. He said, he said, then do it more. Go deeper and deeper into your praise when, I'm in, when you're in that dry place and things not looking right. And it will cause your heart to have the right attitude towards me. See, the, the dry place will cause you to shut your mouth. The dry place will cause you to turn away from your God. And you just say there is no God. The dry place is shut up initially to purify you, to bring you not to destroy you that's right. but to bring you to a very victorious landing place yeah. it's not to destroy you but it's our response in the dry place hold on the word had to die the word had to die then it was victory in hell with his train and triumphant he went through I'm yes. to you, so it's, it's, you, if he had to then you have to that's right so don't think it you know, before when you're not saved and these things happen, it's, it really is to tear you down. Mm-hmm. But if you're not born again, see, they're now designed to build you up. Amen. Yes. See, it don't, it don't make sense to the natural mind. The dry place and money 
are the two things that can destroy you. This is why he said the root of money is evil. The root of it. You're the root. What, what is my affection towards the things or is my affection towards God? That's all he's trying to get you to do. Talking about the passion of Christ. He wants you to be passionate for him. He's come for you to be baptized by his spirit so that you'll be caused to respond to him because naturally you will not respond to him. And then also baptize you with fire so he can capture your heart and for you to love him like he loves you. No matter what you see. I pray that this teaching uh, is just a start of your heart really being set ablaze for the things of righteousness, for the things of righteousness, that it calls you to be hunger for the word of God, that it causes you to be thirsty again for the word of God. I love your thirst, PK. I love your hunger. And the thing about this is that people, that's right, it's always a good time Amen. to clap, is that always. we're no longer hungry and no longer thirsty anymore. And because you're no longer thirsty and hungry, it's because of the dry places in your life, the desert. But be like Moses. Allow that desert, because he was 120 years old, mm, mm, mm. leading the people into the promised land. But yet Moses himself came short of entering in. Mm. Because he himself, after bringing all the people together to enter them in, he himself doubted God. And he said at the age of 120, now because of this, that instead of speaking to the rock, this is what's so important, that when God gives you instructions that you follow them accurately, exactly the way he says. He said, see, because you struck the rock and didn't speak to it, like I told you, out of frustration, because he, he was frustrated with the people that he was leading. He was exhausted because the people, you know, they were complaining, they were murmuring, and so they, they were thirsty, and so he, he struck the rock. In his anger, he struck the rock. And because of that, see, his faith, our faith is going to be tested all the way to the end. All the way. You, if you believe, you will die in faith. Those who endure to the end, end. will be saved. Mm, to the end. Oh, they're not he was this. at the promise. Right? Could look at it far off. They saw it. He said, but he couldn't enter in. Amen. Would you be like that? And nor could that generation that came out because they all had to die off. That's I right. I mean, you, you going around 40 years in the desert and your shoes never wear out. Something wrong. There got to be a God. This little thing. Amen. I just really, I, I want you guys to really... Get this today. You have to be on fire. You have to be energized with the word of God. This is why you have to be at the gathering. You have to stay immersed in the word of God. It's because it, it, it puts a coating on you that when these trials and tribulations come your way, you're not overtaken by it, but you're overtaken by the word of God.